Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today my guest is Jay Arnold. He's a writer, director, and filmmaker. He's written and directed more than 200 television commercials for national brands. He's worked with all kinds of people like Marie Osmond, Belinda Carlisle, Billie Jean King, Wendy Malick, Terry Bradshaw. We follow each other on Twitter, and he's got such a happy, upbeat vibe. I wanted to have him on today. I think we're going to maybe hit on some political topics and themes, you know, the stuff that's nasty and horrible. But I think we also are just going to try to have some fun because times are tough. These are dark times, and we need a little light. So I'm hoping today Jay and I can offer a little light. So before we get into our chat... The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget forget you can find start me up on itunes stitcher and wherever podcasts are found now please enjoy my conversation with jay arnold welcome to the show jay well thank you for having me i'm so excited to have you i'm just so excited and i you know i mean i'm usually excited to have any guest come on but the reason i'm excited to have you on is because as you know because we've talked yesterday i was just down and as i was thinking in terms of like who can i have on I had Brian Caramon on Tuesday, and, you know, we talked about the war, and that's what's on everybody's mind, but it's so stressful. And you and I have been Twitter friends for a while, so I've gotten, like, your vibe, the feel of your personality, (laughs) and you're just upbeat, and you're happy, and I know we'll probably hit on some political things today, but I think the overall, at least for me, the overall goal is just to have a little bit of fun, loosen it up, because it's just really tough out there, and... You know, I mean, yesterday, yeah. oh, my God, I was, like, in this dark, dark, dark space. So um, I said in my introduction what you do for a living. So I want you to tell us a little bit more specifically what you do. Sure. And I think I think just to, to take this all the way around, and we won't talk about this further, but <laughs> it's hard right now to, it is. to not. You know, I mean, there's Ukraine and then, yes. you know, as a gay man, we've got the Florida situation and, you know, it really is a very, very, uh, you know, it's like a dark time. And uh, I think that uh, it's hard not to feel like that because when I spoke to you yesterday and you were down, I was down too. Yeah. And I think that probably is how a lot of people feel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, a lot. And yeah. Yeah. it's it's just something that we're all going through together. And that's exactly mm-hmm. why I wanted to talk to you. And I will mm-hmm. say this. we What did we talk for like maybe 15 minutes? I literally yeah. felt better when I hung up. Uh, and so did I. Aww. And that was great. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like we don't know in the back, you know, consciously yeah, right. all of this is going on. But, you know, sometimes you just have to take a break and mm-hmm. check, you know, check out, step back a little bit and talk about topics that are a little bit more fun. And yeah. uh, I, you know, as a, as somebody who um, uh, writes a lot of comedy for me, mm-hmm. it's relief, you right, know, and I yeah. think that uh, it's the kind of thing we look for, mm-hmm. you know, we need a little relief, you know, <laughs> a little, um, right now. I mean, I do have a lot of empathy for um, comedians though, because <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a hard, everything's a hard sell right mm-hmm. now. You know, um, yes, but I, I can give you a little bit of my background. If okay. You like. Yes, I've, definitely. Um, my my 
passion and my love is writing and directing. Mm -hmm. And I, for um, 30 years, I um, directed and wrote uh, commercial TV. Mostly I have a, I don't want to say proprietary, but I have a, a, a thing I do, which is, an interview style testimonial type commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do them almost exclusively with celebrities. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. And so uh, I did that for 30 years, but really telling stories mm-hmm. and being a filmmaker is my heart. And for me to find two or three months to make a film is really difficult. So, <laughs> and I haven't made a film since, you know, for 10 years. Wow. So I know. So, um, I retired from my commercial directing career so I could just, you know, concentrate on telling stories that I think will, uh, make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I'm doing. I'm, um, making a film now. Um, which oh. I'm really excited about, but um, my my career is really commercial television, and mm-hmm. I think that uh, I've really loved it, and it's really taught me a lot. Um, I think that I think that uh, I think that one of the most interesting things about you know working with exclusively with like celebrities and prominent actors and actresses is just you just never really know what you're going to get particularly <laughs> in a commercial environment you know yeah. there's always going to be a percentage of um celebrities that you walk in you'll you'll you know you'll say here are the words say the words here's your direction they'll do what they do and mm-hmm. everything just kind of falls in line and you know after a, a week or however long it takes they go their way and you go your way mm-hmm. but you know when you're dealing with celebrities there's always surprises yes and so <laughs> i've kind of developed this capacity like you know being on the titanic mm-hmm. you go here and you go here and you go here <laughs> um uh, because you can't be in a position, you can't direct people and then let them, you know, make you like a nervous wreck. Yeah. You know, but there are people that have tremendous presence. It's just like, you know, when Meryl Streep huh. met, you know, Sondheim, she was like, I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak. I was, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, look, you know, maybe she's full of shit, you know, maybe she was, you know, kind of giving acting the acting, you know, but, but I do get that, yeah. you know, and there have been some um, celebrities and actresses that, I've met that have uh, surprised me. Mm-hmm. I should say. No. <laughs> you mean in a in a negative way? Well, no. I mean, yes, good and bad. But I'm right. going to say mostly good. Oh, that's good. I mean, I. I think back. I think the person, oddly, that I was the most nervous about shooting was um, Chris Jenner. Oh, really? Why? I just because of the whole Kardashian mm. Jenner, you know, they're not easy. Mm-hmm. They don't appear to be, you right. know. Yeah. And so I really mentally put myself in a place that, you know, she was going to be difficult and she was going to, you know, boss me around and not do what I need her to do um, and deliver the product. But I have to tell you, it was <laughs> the one of the most surprising experiences I've ever had. Wow. That's she, good to know. And I, and I came away from that, you know, your perceptions of people. Mm-hmm. It's so much of it is what you, particularly yes. if they're celebrities, they're on TV, yeah. or, you know, they 
there's a story mm-hmm. that the media tells. There's a story that they tell the media. Mm-hmm. And then there's who they are, mm-hmm. you know. And I <laughs> found her to be remarkable. She is wow. – um, she knows this. Do you want me to look here? Do you want me to look here? Do we, we're going to read here at the counter? I mean she really got it down pat. Right. And for the interview section, she there was not one question that she did not have a super interesting, really thoughtful response to, you know? And she was very amenable and very uh, sweet. And my takeaway was that she's just really, really good at what she does. And she likes expensive stuff. Right. Yeah, she does. And uh, there are a lot of people who do, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know. Um, But, you know, it's it's, um, a very, very odd little niche that (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of directors do. You know, celebrity yeah. commercial television right. spots, yeah. but I've probably done 500 <laughs> of them, so. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I was an actress back in the day, and I it was so funny because. That when... doesn't surprise me, by the way, at all. <laughs> when I um, studied, my whole goal was, okay, I want to be good enough to, to go in front of casting directors because I don't want that first impression to just be I'm terrible. So mm-hmm. I did. I took it very seriously, and I studied. So by the time I, my, my, the acting class that I was in, it was a two and a half years course. And by the time I graduated, I we we did this thing called the professional level, where we would invite casting directors, and they would bring copy, and we would audition for them in that scenario. They, basically, they got our picture beforehand, so they would choose. They would yes. like pair us up. That's what they, we do. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And they would they would pair us up, and we would do the copy for them. And then, if they liked us, uh, mm-hmm. then they'd call us in for like a legit real audition. And mm-hmm. but I never really studied until I finished studying like acting. I didn't mm-hmm. study commercial acting, which is very mm-hmm. different. And, um, oh my God, I sucked so bad at commercial audition. (laughs) I was so bad. I mean, I was okay if I had copy with someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. but that straight looking at the camera and just Mm -hmm. talking to the camera, I was terrible. And so I was in this class once and I guess the casting director, uh, was, he was a commercial casting agent, commercial casting director. And I did my piece. And he looked at me, and he asked me why I was so angry. Oh. <laughs> and it was like, I'm know, sorry, I just suck at this. <laughs> I don't – it's not – here's why I do the thing I do. Mm-hmm. I do everything in an interview-type style when I do testimonial. And so what I'll do is I'll think about the things that I want talent to say Mm -hmm. and then i'll craft questions that will hopefully get that kind of answer Mm -hmm. so what happens just like now when you're having just a regular dialogue with somebody then you kind of forget the camera and you're more casual and you're Mm -hmm. conversational and you're also uh trustworthy right and that's how that comes across it's very hard and i've done many of them (laughs) to have somebody look in the camera and read the lines you know i'll tell you um, Marie Osmond, who I've shot a dozen times, mm-hmm. and um, I, she was another shocker, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I was so, and I had heard, you know, like internal production, like, oh my God, don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, and so I, there was a lot of 
hype. And of course, E.T. wanted to come and interview her during lunch. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was a, a little bit of a scene and all that the first time uh, that I shot her. And I, um, I guess um, she could tell. Oh, and about 20 minutes in, she said, could we get a minute? And I said, yes, mm-hmm. of course. I said, you know, take a two-minute break, five-minute break, whatever the case may be. And she came over and she put her hands on my arm and she said, don't be afraid of me. Just tell me what to do. Oh it's okay. God, I'll do so whatever cool. you want me to do. And in that moment, I just – and I thought to myself, here I am, a gay man, and here is this kind of – iconic Mormon woman, you know, this comes back to the perception. And let me tell you something. She is one of the most, um, I have to say she is one of the most wonderful people I have ever worked with in my life. Hmm. She's a, Marie is a consummate professional. Wow. You know, so a lot of people think, you know, oh, this, that, I had news for you. She's got a gay daughter. Mm. Uh, she's fought for her, mm-hmm. and uh, I know she's taken a lot of pushback yeah. from it. But um, she really is true to herself, and a lot of the people that wor- have worked around her um, are very progressive and very, you know, and gay. Yeah. And uh, she's been a really um, uh, she's taught me a lot. Wow. I have to say, um, and you don't get to work with that many people that said, "Here's what Lucille Ball taught me." Here's what the, you know, right, I mean, like yeah. that literally has worked with everyone on the planet. Yeah, you know, so that's really good to know. I mean, I you know, I had a similar experience when I was working on Days of Our Lives. Do you know? Do you know Deidre Hall? She was. Uh, oh sure, yeah. of so, course. Like everybody knows Deidre Hall. She's like the, I almost got to work with Deidre, but go ahead. She well, the you know, I mean, she had a reputation even on the show. Um, Mm. they would sometimes call her diva and she hated that. And I think they called her diva because she was very specific about how she wanted her makeup and how she wanted her hair and Mm. you know, how she wanted X, whatever. And I get it because it was funny when they would do my makeup. Occasionally I would, I always had my same makeup artist, but if she wasn't there, I would Uh get other people. And sometimes they would just, you know, they, in fact, this one particular time, the story I have about Deidre, there were, I was playing, a, uh, I was always a cop. Well, most of the time I was a cop on that show. And, and in this particular case, <laughs> I was undercover, right? And so I got to wear a ball gown. And they did my hair. They put it up, but then they were, they were pulling out, like, the bangs and then curling it. And I was like, what are you doing? Don't curl my fucking bangs. <laughs> and, and they just kept doing it. It was driving me fucking nuts. So I totally understand Um, why she's like, you know, very specific on how she wants her hair and makeup. But anyway, so this particular day we were shooting, it was a long, long shoot and it was getting really late. It was probably like around 11 o'clock at night. We probably still had another hour and a half to go and people were getting punchy and she was just not having any of it. She's like, come on, man, we got, we got to get out of here. Let's just do our jobs. And so, and she was, she was just, and I was so grateful because it was late and everybody wanted to go. And so we got to the scene, you know, one of the scenes that I was in. And so I had my lines and we were rehearsing it. And so we do the rehearsal and I say what I say. And she wasn't even there. Like she was off camera. Mm -hmm. Um, She wasn't in that particular scene with me. When we finished, we cut and we were going to take a five minute break. And she came over to me and she's like, you know what? When you do this, you want to stand and face this way. She was telling me how to get the best lighting. She was giving me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she didn't have to do that. 
And no, it was like, it was so no. cool that she did that. And it was, it was funny. Wonderful? It was wonderful because the first mm. time I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, I started watching it when I was nine and then eventually I was on it. And so the first That's day, cool. how long were you on that for? Seven years. I, I, I initially wow. I was a model. They hired me as a model twice. Then I was a reporter. Then I was a cop and I stayed a cop. Um, <laughs> That's great. I, are they on YouTube? I've got to go find one. I'll, I'll send, send you what I can. One, you? I'll send you what I can because it's hard to find. In fact, I'm not even on yeah. IMDb. But um, I do have a couple of things. But uh, she, I, I, working with her, it was so funny because that first day that I saw her, I'd been on the show for a while. And I think she came back. You know, she'd go, she'd come back. So yeah. she walked into the dressing room and I saw her. And I really, you know, I, again, I started watching that show in 1977 when I was nine years old and I walked up to her and I said I just want to tell you I've been a fan of the show forever I love you I think you're great blah, blah, blah. and she was you know I think I got her on a good day and I just, so uh -huh. she liked me you know she just always uh -huh. liked me and That's I was wonderful. so grateful and it was but she was a, a, a wonderful person well we're kind of, you know we're kind of talking about the same notion of perceptions you know yes. that you know everybody has perceptions of people and you know but she really was not that no. You know, she was really very kind and, you know, and I, I find the same thing. Most of the people that I think, you know, we have perceptions of when mm -hmm. you meet them, they're really not that. Right. Um, but the thing you were saying about the hair and your hair and her mm -hmm. being specific about her hair, I see, I have a tremendous amount of tolerance for that because, you know, celebrities are brands. Yes. You know, they have to protect their brand. This uh -huh. is my look. This is how I do it. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many major uh, celebrities and actresses say, you know what, I'm going to do my own eyes or yeah, I'm going right. to do it this way <laughs> because they get it the way yes. is their signature, uh -huh. you know? I would always and go so, down. I would always go down to the dressing room and like I would change it up. I would put different lipstick on. I would do whatever. You don't want to insult the person who's doing your hair and makeup. But it was like mm -hmm. I was constantly going. I mean, unless I had my own because she yes. was the kind of person that I could tell her. I don't like that. And she yeah. wasn't like offended and freaked out by it. But um, yeah, that it was it was so and I had, you know, it was so funny because when I worked on that show for the very first time, I was so fortunate because it was the first time I'd ever been on national television. And I was I got to do a scene with two people from my acting studio. So I felt wow. really comfortable and it was very easy. And I felt like because I had watched that show since nine years old, I felt like I knew everybody. And right. it was around Christmas time, so like everybody was, you know, there were there were all the decorations, and it was one of the guys. It wasn't the original Austin; it was the second Austin. But he, I remember he brought in Elvis Presley's Christmas CD, and I had never heard it before. <laughs> and I ran out and bought it, and I'm like a huge Elvis Christmas fan. And, oh, that's um, great! <laughs> so yeah, it was that's it was great. totally fun. But there was there's I have to tell you the story because even though my listeners are, have heard it, I will never. Um, you know, I will always take the opportunity to talk about what an asshole Vince Vaughn is. Do you, you know who Vince Vaughn is, right? Well, I'm not going to say, but I have uh, <laughs> a friend who is an actor who worked in a series with him. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Well, and so I can verify <laughs> said asshole. Um, yes, he was. Okay. So here's uh, the story. I got to tell you the story, though, because he was such a okay. dick. And I'll be quick because I've said it on the show before. But basically, I used I lived the um, the swingers that show that movie swingers. That was mm -hmm. my life, right? My girlfriend it. and I were the female versions, literally going to those same bars, going to the same parties, 
and mm-hmm. I would go to the Derby all the time. And so Vince was at the Derby, and I used to, he's tall, and he was cute. So I had when to, he was cute. Yeah. <laughs> when he was, <laughs> when cute. He was mm-hmm. cute. He was very cute. And he, you know, I mean, he was lanky, and I was six, I'm six feet tall, so I was, I was always checking him out. Too afraid mm-hmm. to go up to him. But I di- he was not yet famous. I would just see him at the Derby. And it was funny because one, I guess I was staring at him, and one night the doorman comes over to me and he goes, his name is Vance. And so I was like, okay, thanks. So anyway, finds, finally my girlfriend. He was is, pretty. I mean, hard he to was. not. He was not very hard, pretty. Hard to not look at him. Yeah, yeah he was a babe. And, uh, and he had the look of that time, you know, that yes. whole, mm-hmm. especially, that yeah, mm-hmm. especially living there. It was like in California in that area, which was Los Feliz, the whole, well, Hollywood, basically, the whole swing dancing thing was big. And Mm -hmm. so he had that look. And so, you know, I mean, anyway, I just was too embarrassed and too shy to say anything. So my girlfriend sees him and she goes, hey, Vince, come here. So he comes over and she goes, hey, Vince, what do you do for a living? And he goes, I'm an actor. And she goes, oh, my God, what a coincidence. So is Kimberly. And then she's trying to put us together. And he's mm-hmm. he's bored. And then finally, he just he puts like I'm sitting at the bar and my back is facing the bar. So he mm-hmm. puts his hands on either side of me holding the bar and he gets right up in my face and he goes, oh, I get it. You like me. And then he walked away. What an asshole! What an <laughs> asshole! And let me tell you something. You know, it's funny because how many years ago was that? This was probably like 1995 or six. I don't think he'd have the balls to do that today. <laughs> well, I've I've talked about it on Twitter. I've uh, I've I've said it. It's like I'm sure he doesn't give a shit about me. Um, and he's a he was a Trump supporter. At least he liked Trump, and I know he's a libertarian, which is not at all surprising. But I will say he was funny in that movie. I just watched it a couple of weeks ago with my mom, who also would occasionally go to the Derby, so she was mm-hmm. you know familiar with that. She always told me she thought that he was going to get ugly when he got older. And because she never liked him and she never understood why I liked him. But then when we were watching the other night, she's like, "Okay, I kind of get why you liked him. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, he was cute. (laughs) She's like, but I was right. He he, he looks gross now. And it's like, yeah, well, because he is gross because he's it's coming through. So (laughs) but it's funny that, you know, I mean, I think I have I think I have been surprised in positive ways like you. Mm-hmm. with a lot of people and you know i mean when you grow i mean did you have you you live in philadelphia right i live in philly yeah have you always lived there always wow I, every person why are you living here you're always in la you're always shooting your like because i love it here i really do love philadelphia really and almost everyone i have here is surprised <laughs> like wow <laughs> like philly's great and it's a marvelous restaurant town too yeah well yeah. my father used to live in philly so I've been there, but it's been a really long time. Do, and so you go to L.A. a lot. Do you like L.A.? I do. I, I um, you know, I go to, I go to L.A. to work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have friends, um, and so I, you know, if I'm going to go be with, on a social trip with friends, mm-hmm. it's great. I love it. Um, when I'm working, I. I don't, I don't, I could be anywhere Mm -hmm. because I, you know, you're in the zone. Yeah. You know, um, I tell you a funny casting story since you mentioned casting. Yes. yes. If you want about LA, because this is so LA. (laughs) Uh, I want to say a few years ago, but probably not a few years ago because the pandemic just kind of 
wiped two years mm-hmm, out of mm-hmm. the way, you know. And mm-hmm. I keep saying, like, every time I say something, I'll say, no, that was 2019. That was 2018. I'm like, oh, really? Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to say maybe four or five years ago. Okay. I was doing some very high-profile spots, and they were very expensive spots. And there were one of them had a woman, and the other one had a man. And um, it was a very, very L.A. casting. <laughs> I'm just going to say it was, like, top casting, top, top everything. Right. And I was very specific about what I was looking for and I went uh we spent the entire day and you know I don't think most people understand the casting drill but you know you've got a casting agent and the directors and writers whoever may be sitting in that room and someone will walk in and say hi this is Jane Smith hello Jane Jane turn around you know put your hands up front back you know so you get a sense of the whole and um you do that I would say 50 to 100 times Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so about an hour or so into the casting of the men, I'm thinking, this is a nightmare that everyone is exactly the same in L.A. They're all like Clark Kent. Do you know what I mean? They all came in like a target. I was like, they all look the same. This right. is not, not authentic. This is not what I want. And so I got really concerned. And I said, you know what? Uh, I feel like we're going to have to go back. Get, get me 50 more tomorrow. And so then, you know, we looked at. Uh, the women and same thing they, everyone wow. was a Barbie doll right. and I really was getting concerned so I picked up the phone and I called an actress that I had worked with out there that I thought would be great and she said come please just come in for the casting and she, and she did ultimately uh, and she's a you know she's a, an actress of note mm-hmm. and um, I was very happy about that and her um, agent was you know strong I'm like you know she's double scale you know double scale yeah which is expensive and all that okay got it got it got it so she came in everybody loved her great we got to come back the next day for a mail so they brought a bunch of guys in they were a little bit better and then towards the end this one guy comes in and he was not in the room for 30 seconds and i'm like this is the guy (laughs) he he was you know he was he's a really attractive handsome guy but he just had a charisma and he was yeah. super interesting this was a very very um stressful shoot mm-hmm. where like nobody disagreed nobody agreed on anything and everything was an argument <laughs> oh, fine. and so literally the spots came out great he was great she was great i literally the minute the producer said that's a wrap i walked out the door Whoa. got on a plane and flew home <laughs> I, put, I was so stressed so i get in the plane and i was in the bulkhead and there's some you know uh young woman with a baseball hat sitting next to me and i said um i said hi how are you blah 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 and i'm you know i'm kind of oblivious and i pull out my computer and i have my script and I look over and she goes, oh, you're writing a script. Oh, I'm writing a script. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, oh, that's, oh, you're Kristen Wick. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. So we have this, you know, I said, you know, I, we exchange. Oh, what are you doing? Right. You know, I'm going back east for a wedding, blah, blah, blah. My boyfriend can't come with me because he's shooting a TV commercial for X <laughs> brand. And I said, Avi? <laughs> and she said, oh, my God. I, are you sure? I said, he has cubby thumbs. She said, oh, my God. I said, that was my spot. I just walked out the door. I just left the guy. Whoa. And um, so I said to her, <laughs> he was superb. And he is. He's a really exceptional actor. I think he's great. And I, I don't want to butcher his name. I'm going to say Avi Rothman. Okay. 
Um, and uh, I said to her, I'm going to be really frank. Um, he should have been double scale. Huh. He was heads above everyone. Wow. Um, the actress was, and I think next time he should. I'm just being, I'm giving you my honest uh, uh, directorial feedback. Yeah. And so that was it, and that was it, and goodbye, and goodbye, and nice to know you, and uh, exchange, whatever. And next case, um, we the spots run. They're great. They're hugely successful. So successful, in fact, that the client wants to renew the spots. So I call, renew the spots, and I get a call from one of the agents. We have a problem. I said, what's the problem? They said, one of them does, one of the actors does not want to renew because a director told his girlfriend on the plane that he should be double scale. I said, give him double scale. Oh, my God. You know, so you're gonna kill me. So busy in the past, you know. Um, but the reality is, you know, every actor or actress I've ever worked with feels like this is the last gig they're ever gonna get. This mm-hmm. is just the kind of mentality mm-hmm. when you know if you have a job and you're employed and you go in every day. It's right. different. You mm-hmm. have a, a a degree of security. You know now. Uh, people in this industry, we go for gig to gig, you know, gig economy. Yeah. And um, gig economy. Yeah. Totally. So, you, you know, you, everybody thinks it's their last. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for me. I really want to support other creatives. That's always what I've done. And so for me, I wanted to be honest. I mean, double scale means that much more that goes to his health and his mm-hmm. pension. Yes. And, you know, all the things that will matter to him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he retires and mm-hmm. later. So uh, that bit me in the ass. So that was my casting story. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one of mine. Um, oh, at good. some point, we're gonna. I, I do want to kind of talk a little. I w- definitely want to talk about Florida, so we'll talk about that in a okay, second. Cool. Yeah. But just the, you know, I had the experience. I don't feel at all bitter about my Hollywood experiences. I do think you know there was a lot of bullshit, and I, I think there was a combination of because I'm six foot tall, and I, again, I have talked about this so much that I don't want to belabor it to my regular listeners. But I'm six foot tall. I have a broad frame. I have big bones. And, like, I literally have big bones to the degree that when I was, I think I was, like, in my maybe 27, I I got sick. I got severe bacterial sinusitis. And I had had lost some weight. And Mm -hmm. this is always a thing for me. My weight is always a fucking issue. And so, and because I'm six foot tall and because I'm bigger than everybody in Hollywood, that's always been my thing. So I had lost some weight and then I got sick and I lost more weight. And it was funny because I was like probably about 147 pounds. I I would normally weigh about 153 when I was happy. Um, Mm -hmm. That was my happy weight because I was as slender as I could get without looking gross. And I went down to about... That seems very, very slim to me for someone who's six foot. And has big bones because it's, you know, it's like Kristen Mm -hmm. Johnston is also six feet, but she's got a very narrow frame and small bones. So it's a totally different situation. So when I went down to 147, even my doctor, my doctor was like, you don't look right. And I had, you know, men in my acting studio coming up to me concerned. I'm like, don't worry. I'm just sick. I'll, it'll come back. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody needs to worry. But, but it was always like, that was always such a big deal for me. So anyway, um, you know, I told you in my acting studio, we, when, when I graduated, my acting coach wanted to do something called the professional level where, like I said, we'd have agents or casting directors come in. 
and we'd you know do we would continue our learning but we would also audition so we'd, we'd always have these casting directors come in and they'd always tell us oh we remember everybody if you're good and you're not right for this part we always remember you well that was not my experience but um <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i mean i know that i was well actually what i was originally saying is that i think part of it is the industry i was kind of like punished for not for being bigger than most of the men and all of the women um and then i but what i did i think the things that i told myself and my belief system i think kept me you know i always now i'm and i've talked to you and i talk on my patrons only about manifesting and and intentionally manifesting and i think if i would have had if i would have changed my thoughts and changed the way i think into that if I felt like my body would be the thing that would get me in the door, like, you know, cause there's Xena warrior princess. I could have done something like that. I could have been on the West wing. Mm-hmm. If my mm-hmm. body would have been the, th- I, you know, if I would have thought, okay, that's what's going to be my in I'll stay in cause I'm talented, but I'll, I'll get in because I'm unique. What I told myself was I'm not going to get in because I'm too big. And of I just, course. I just, would you bought that. into the considerations, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You bought into the consideration that if you're not a size two or and zero. you don't, you know, forget it. You're not mm-hmm. going to make it. You yeah. Know? And that's what I told myself. Um, and that's what I fully believed. And I think I sent that energy out and mm-hmm. I made of it. Of course even, you did. Yeah. That's where that's your, that was where you were coming from. Mm-hmm. So that's what you projected. And that's what people picked up on. I think they would have had those thoughts to a degree on their own, but maybe some of them wouldn't have. So anyway, I, I get this audition for VP, which was that Pamela Anderson television show. Right. And mm-hmm. um, they wanted a Russian ice queen. So, and I used to fucking live in Russia and I'm good with accents. So right. I, I, you know, I purposely, I, I mean, I'm never going to be a Pamela Anderson type, but the way I put myself together well, I, I wore this red dress, but it wasn't like a tight, sexy dress. It was more like a business cocktail dress. Mm-hmm. And I went in there, and I <laughs> it's like the room was filled with Pamela Anderson lookalikes. And I was like the only oh, one geez. who didn't look like them. So I go into the main audition, and it was just the initial audition. And the guy, there was just one guy sitting there. And I, had, I think I met him in my acting studio. I can't remember. But either way, he, I said to him, would you like for me to do this in, my, in a Russian accent? And, and I could just look, his face was like, yeah, okay, fine. He goes, sure, if you think you can do it. And I, and I just thought, step aside. So I give my audition, and I am perfect Russian accent. And, mm-hmm. and he said to me, he, he was kind of like taken aback. And he goes, hey, can you come back in an hour and meet the producers? So I said, sure. And I'm like, really feeling good. So I go out to my car and I get my Thomas map guide and I'm like reading all the streets in a Russian accent just to keep it fresh. And I sit there and I wait. I go back up. There's like a panel of producers, like five or six, and they're all men. And they're all just sitting there watching me in a chair alone. And so I give the audition and they were floored and they literally applauded me like that doesn't happen in auditions they yes. applauded me it, uh, I, actually it can happen in auditions i mean well that you know. it hadn't happened to me before mm-hmm. <laughs> <Let's just Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it happened and never heard from them again and that was just something that i yes. you know i mean i i, I would it's, it's not that i'm bitter about it i i just i got sick of the industry but it was like i got sick and tired of feeling like I did a really good job only to get ignored. I totally get it if I'm not right for the part. 
um, you know, I, I totally understand that. But as mm -hmm. far as what I experienced in Hollywood, it was, I think I just, I, I was way too hard on myself. I, I, I could not get, cut myself a break. And, you know, I was f battling my, what I considered to be my weight. I was also battling acne and I was, you know, I was, I just didn't feel like I could mm -hmm. do it. And so, so I eventually I just left and it was a slow, I left slowly. I didn't just jump out all at once, but it, uh, the way out was kind of fun because I would mm -hmm. go to these, I would get invited to these parties, uh, these like B parties where, you know, sometimes you'd see me famous people. Sometimes there would just be a lot of producers yes. and stuff, but it was always at these like high end homes and, mm -hmm. and I would, I would just walk around. I was so fucking jaded and I loved just telling I would tell people I was 40 and that I weighed 175 pounds even when I was like 100 just to watch the look on their face like mm -hmm. don't say your weight uh, don't you know, say your so, age I, I'm going to say <laughs> that it a little bit of it is timing too it, oh, totally because is. there's a there's, you know the whole perception is different you yes. know I have always this is what what I've always said about weight is whatever weight you are is the right weight for you if you're happy, as long as you're healthy. Yeah. I mean, if the doctor says, yes, you know, right. gain, loot, that, that's a different story, right? But I think the notion of um, people being more authentic and as mm. they are, um, whatever weight they are, I mean, I, there's a lot of actresses, uh, we don't have to mention names, whose weight has fluctuated mm -hmm. substantially yeah. that are very successful. Mm -hmm. In fact, last night, I read the most wonderful interview with Patty Arquette. Mm -hmm. And her. Yeah. she had an entire... Um, you know, they were asking, of course, you know, the worst thing is to ask somebody about mm -hmm. their weight, you mm -hmm. know, and she did talk about it. And I, I, you know, she, she talked about how, and I don't remember exactly what film it was when she was really young and I don't, mm, trying to think, um, um, I remember in it, she had kind of like Daisy Dukes and, you know, um, I just thought she was gorgeous, of course. And a <laughs> lot, and she said that after that film, People started saying, mm, you know, a little chunky uh, yeah. in some way, uh, you know, and just recently she saw it on television. She's like, oh, my God, I was so thin. <laughs> I, yep. I was so young. Yeah. I look so good. Yeah. Not skinny, you know, right. but she's, you know, has a beautiful body. Yes, you know, does. and but it's, you know, so it's not just you, you know. No, it's uh, not. I know. This is this has been uh, and it's. Look, I'd love to say it's changed a lot, but it hasn't changed a lot. No. But changing little bits over a time. A little bit. I see it. I can really see it. really does. Yeah. yeah. It really does. You can look a lot of the – particularly like you know comedies and things like that on television today. You're seeing a much more diverse range of body types that matches up yes. with you know, um, the average woman is like a size 14 or 16. Yeah, know? and, and so. it, it makes a difference because – you know, I mean, Liv Tyler and I are very similar, our bodies. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I... I love Liv. I love Liv, too. She's so great. Um, God, what, what is that movie? There was this horror movie she was in, and I can't remember the name of it. <clears throat> excuse me, I just mm. took a sip and it went down the wrong way. Um, but anyway, it's this horror movie that she was in, and, you know, she... I would watch... I've seen that movie a couple times, and she... Like, in that film, I... Like, her weight is my weight. Like, we look the same. Mm -hmm. as far as body type and i would always mm -hmm. feel so much better about myself 
Right. You know what I mean? It was like when yes. I'd watch somebody like Sharon Stone and nothing against Sharon Stone because I think she's fucking gorgeous. But it was mm-hmm. like I'd watch her and then I would feel insecure. And it's not her fault. I don't blame mm-hmm. Sharon Stone. It's just, you know, it's 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 the messaging. Plus, you know, I came up in the 90s. That's when mm-hmm. Size Zero was like the big thing. And Ally McBeal, yes. everybody on Ally McBeal was a Size Zero. And so you hear these things over and over again. And, you, you know, I looked at myself and I just – I just felt that I wasn't valuable. I just, I just, you know, and so I put that out there and it's funny though, because now here I am a podcaster and I, after I was an actor, I went into outside sales. And so I think everything that I learned in my acting career and everything that I've learned as a salesperson kind of made me, uh, uh, you know, it it primed me for what I'm doing right now. Activism Mm -hmm. and, you know, having a big mouth and talking in front of a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I do want to – I want to get to this thing a little bit. I want to talk about uh, – Can I just say one thing, though? Sure. Um, does it mean you can't consider maybe doing something again? Yeah, but actress? I don't think I, – I, I've I, thought about that, but I don't think I want to. I mean you're in a different place. Yeah. And the, the industry is in a different place. Yes. And sometimes it really does – I tell you something. It comes down, and it comes down to the role. It does, you know, and sometimes I've sat, I can be, it can be it really difficult when you look at a hundred or 200 or 300, mm-hmm. you know, actresses for a particular role mm-hmm. and then you're done and there's like three mm-hmm. exactly. and they're great for different <laughs> reasons. Yeah. You know? Right. And, um, I often think about, and, and I've, you know, I've always wanted to be very positive and let people walk out of a casting room feeling good yeah um but you don't want to give people you know so you don't want to go too far because you don't want to give people false hope yes. right like oh i got it i got it i didn't yeah. get it you know but i will say that whenever i've had to make a difficult decision in casting the first thing i think about are the other two that right that i didn't cast yeah that i knew would have been great for different reasons yeah um, and probably left the room feeling good because when you do, yeah. <laughs> just like your experience, you were absolutely, you know, a callback. Yeah. Okay. So you were in that top set. Yeah. For some reason, she should have dark hair. She should have blonde hair. Yeah. Oh, this that the other girl has blonde. You'll get confused with the two blondes right. from the back. Little <laughs> things like that. Yeah. People don't think about. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and so uh, I, you know, there's a movie. Uh, probably it's probably 15 or 18 years old and i had met um the writer director of that film and tori spelling was in it Mm -hmm. and she you know they you know i think she read for it they said she was great um they hired her when she flew out to set she had her hair dyed red Uh uh-oh they casted her as a blind (laughs) right yeah who, what do you think that the other actress was a redhead? Right. Of course she And was. literally, <laughs> they were flipping out the entire yeah. time because like, oh, she didn't even get a pass over the back. They're like, like change her hair and do something, <laughs> something, you know? But um, little things like that mm-hmm. really can yeah they do they be do. The th- you know be that one thing that make the difference and so it doesn't mean that you weren't a great actress or that right. you weren't right for the role it just meant at that particular time there were other considerations or other issues that you didn't know about yeah. and so yeah. i just want to say don't ever you know don't give up <laughs> if you feel it somewhere right. if there's a little bit in there you know uh go for it yeah and you know it's funny because when i 
decided to leave. I was in my acting studio, I don't know how many, eight years or something like that, because it was two and a half years uh-huh. studying, and then I stayed there for six years, just continuing uh-huh. on, meeting people, et cetera, meeting the casting directors and everything. And so at some point, I, uh, I, I went on birth control pill to clear up my skin, and then I uh-huh. gained some weight. And, I, and then, and then I, ha- I did this in, uh, audition for the casting director from NYPD Blue and I sucked mm-hmm. like I didn't do a good job I could feel it I, I didn't do a good job and right. he said something to my acting coach and said she's a soap actress and I was so discouraged when I heard that because I was a little bit burnt out I had been there for a long time I had gained some weight from the pill and then here did you take that as a negative I did because I knew he meant it as a negative the way he the way my my acting coach was explaining it to me he, he was like he didn't like you because he thought you were a soap actress and it's like that's funny because I'm I'm just a fucking under five I got five lines or less it's not like I'm a big time soap actress or anything but anyway so I left uh that studio and I thought well I'm going to take a break and then I'll get back into it and it was just I never got back into it I you mm-hmm. know I hung out with actors and I went to some parties and I got an audition here or there and I stayed working on days of our lives but I just it was like the thought for me it was really like do I have it in me to get another to have to go through another photo shoot and to sit in you know front of an agent and Again. beg mm-hmm. them to send my pictures out and because mm-hmm. they just wouldn't I'd give them my photographs and they would just sit there on the shelf and so I just I got right. sick of it and it was like I just didn't want it anymore I you know and I, it wasn't that I felt mm-hmm. like oh I could really do this and I it was just like you know what I'm done I'm done and then I right. went in like I said I totally went into a different industry I was outside sales I had a lot of fun when I did that and then mm-hmm. I just kind of happened into I can't imagine that now. you would not be good at outside sales <laughs> oh I loved it I, I, I definitely but <laughs> I was probably able, great <laughs> I was able to find for me it was all about freedom like I wanted the job where a I didn't have to check into an office every day and I got mm-hmm. to determine my own schedule and so right. I always made sure to find I was never like the top salesperson I was always in the top five but I was always like for me it's not about the money it's about the freedom I want my freedom yes and mm-hmm. so that's what mm-hmm. I got but um, one of the things I do want to talk to you about since you're a gay man um, yes. you know and we'll get to the politics now and I have a little funny story for you about how I was introduced to a gay man uh, when okay. I was I think nine, or, <laughs> nine or ten. It was like the first time I ever met a gay man. But I'm just wondering. I mean, this this bill passed for "Don't Say Gay," and I I mean, well. I, it's it's so frustrating. And I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine, and I can't imagine what it must be like to be gay and to see this happening in 2022. So I just want to know, like, what is it? How how do you feel about it? how is it affecting you? You know, I I have so many mixed emotions, and it it really you know it involves society, it involves Florida in particular, DeSantis. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. I think that um, for you know, I never in my lifetime ever thought that um growing up you know as a gay kid i never thought there would be um men holding hands and kissing in the street i Mm -hmm. never thought there would be gay marriage uh, same-sex marriage i should say i never thought any of the i never thought that there would be legal weed you know know? i mean we think about how long is it since we've had pronouns (laughs) yeah you know not that long yeah right and so um having having gone through this last decade of kind of 
forward moving wins. Mm -hmm. And let me just say, you know, we take small wins as we go along because there's still plenty Mm -hmm. of, um, there's a long way to go, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly in the, you know, uh, in in the trans community. Um, it, 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 it's hard, you know? Um, but I think more than anything, this really is, it's, you know, it's Trump, Mm -hmm. you know, he gave people permission to behave as bigots, racist and haters. Mm -hmm. He gave them a hall pass. They were always there. People Mm -hmm. were saying now, oh, well, these people, anti-gay, anti-this, you know, they've been there. They just got a hall pass Mm -hmm. permission to behave that way as if it were acceptable because the president of the United States was that person. Yeah. And so it's hard, uh, you know, to uh, put that back in a bag. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was younger and, you know, my parents, grandparents would go to Florida on vacation, they would come back. They would bring coconut patties, you know, they were in this long yellow box and it was nothing but sugar and, and like nasty, <laughs> you know, but it was like, I don't ever have, even if we went as kids, mm-hmm. had an experience of anything but a joyful experience mm-hmm. in Florida or yeah. when I came back. It was always like, you know, this cherished, wonderful. Now, I mean... Not only is this entire it, it, it it's just insane to me, yeah, you know, and I think that um, the fact that if you take all the hatred aside, just put all that aside because you know i've i I've been going to Florida every single solitary year, shot there a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if you go to South Beach, you go to Miami, you're not going to get much hatred because it's your community, you know? Um, but, um, I will say that for DeSantis to, for the, for, for a state who is the second largest tourism state in the country to start turning people off. Mm -hmm. I mean, people love living in Florida because Mm -hmm. there's no income tax. (laughs) Well, I have news for you. There's no income tax because tourism is fantastic. Yeah. But if tourism falls off, then, you know, all these people that are complaining and passing these disgusting bills are going to start paying higher taxes. I mean, so there's nothing fiscally or strategically smart um, about anything they're doing. Um. The hatred has always been there. Um, It doesn't really surprise me that it's as big as it is, but it does surprise me that it's as accepted as it is. And I think that's the hardest thing, Mm -hmm. that it's okay with people to um, express hatred, Mm -hmm. period. Whether it's, you know, I mean, women, men, gay, you know, any which way, men, you know, gay man, gay Jewish man, you know, uh, still considered, you know, though privileged and all that, of course. Um, But it, the fact that it all seems so acceptable Mm -hmm. and it's all okay, okay, we'll just make this bill and we'll just pass this bill and that will be that, you know, Um, it's, it's, it's just really discouraging. And I have made a personal commitment not to do any production in Florida at all and i really don't think i would step foot in that state yeah i can't even imagine i mean i just can't imagine what it's like for children you know to to hear this gay children 
I mean, for all of us, but I mean, to be a gay kid and see that this is happening. I mean, you're obviously you're an adult and it's hard for you for those reasons, but you at least have that maturity and understanding and you've lived through some stuff. These kids are just, you know, they don't know any different. All they know now is that they're considered villains. That's exactly exactly what it's done. It's, it's, you know, and and I I think that I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I think that for myself, I knew I was, I didn't necessarily knew what gay was, but Mm -hmm. I knew it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I like, oh, that guy's cute. I was five years, eight years old. Yeah. You know, I knew. And so when you're young and, and, and you have these kinds of questions, if you can't, you know, if you can't have a dialogue, if you can't have open communication and expression and be able to uh, talk about these things when you are at that age, that you're just like beating it back down, yeah, right. you know, and really giving these kids all kinds of you're wrong, you're bad, mm-hmm. you're, you know, carry it. So what happens then? We carry around our yep, whole lives, our that, whole lives. you know, that that kind of you're wrong, bad. Yeah. You know, it's it's tragic, to be frank. It is. It's extremely tragic. And I mean, I was, again, another story that I've told before, but I think it's worth retelling just because I was fortunate that my mother has always been a progressive person. And my dad and mom split up when I was three and we moved out to California in 1977. So while we were there, we first had this roommate named Maggie and eventually she moved out. So my mom was looking for new roommates. At this point, I was 10. And um, it was so funny because I had asked my mother, what does gay mean? I think when I was about six. And so she gave me, uh, like the answer that she gave me was, you know, something about like the most basic, explaining that men have sex with men and women have sex with women. And I remember, because I asked her also, what's sex? And she gave me, she gave me the, um, and I was like six she gave me the heterosexual version and she just said it's when a man puts um, his penis in a woman's vagina and I remember I was like ah but then I would ask her again (laughs) I was like horrified but I was so curious and so when I asked her about what does gay mean I I remember I thought it was weird you know it Mm -hmm. sounded weird that men wanted to kiss men and women women Mm -hmm. wanted to kiss but the way that she presented it to me was just matter of fact she had absolutely no judgment. She had no energy on it. She had no judgment. No. She just gave you the facts. Yeah, no, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that was enough. Right. It satisfied me. I had no more questions. So then when I was 10, uh, this guy comes by. His name was Harold. I've written a story about him in my, uh, on my blog, but I called him Steve, but his name was Harold. Mm-hmm. And so she... Oh, Harold. Yeah, you know that gay guy, Harold. Because <laughs> I know you know all the gay guys. Of course, it's the, it's the guide. It's the gay guy. But oh, she... you live in Philadelphia. You must know Tom. Yes, of course. Right. So she, uh, we had this in our living room. We had this huge walk-in closet. I don't know why, but I was in the walk-in closet. And the door was closed, and so I could hear their conversation. I was eavesdropping. So she was just interviewing him, you know, what do you this, and where do you work? So he said to her, he goes, oh, well, I think I should tell you I'm gay. And my mom goes, okay. And then, you know, and I remember when he said that, I was shocked. And I literally, like, froze. Right. I, whatever position I was in, I froze. Dramatic because because pose. you had in your mind this was not, this was an odd, weird thing. It was different, Why would somebody yeah. say that about themselves? openly if it was such an odd thing yeah and it's just, it just like ooh, he's gay and then mm-hmm. so eventually you know they got along and they're like yeah let's be roommates so mm-hmm. when i was 10 years old we lived with harold and harold was one of the coolest 
men ever. He was this, I think he was a speech therapist or he, he did something with speech therapy. And I like, I remember oh, one day, speech therapy. <laughs> one day he took me, you're so terrible, but he what took me, <laughs> he took me into work with him and, you know, introduced me to everybody. And one of the things that I realized, I mean, we, we became a little bit of a family, you know, I mean, we were, we were all very kind of close and everything. And so this was my first real experience with a gay person. And the thing about Harold was my mother never told him you can't bring men home or whatever. She, she never told him what to do. But he mm-hmm. never, ever, 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 I never saw, I know he went on dates, but I never saw mm-hmm. them. And I think, he, I think he did that on purpose. He just kept his dating yes. life separate from me. And yes. I think I could have handled it because I was a pretty savvy, cool kid. And, you know, I mean, once I once I got over my frozen thing, then it was like, whatever, you know, Harold's gay, yes. moving on. <laughs> I'm going to go outside and ride my bike now. And, and so, but it was a really cool experience to live with a gay man. And, yes. you know, and he was just super fantastic and, and there was nothing, the only thing that was different about him was that he liked men. And mm-hmm. and my mom liked men. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> they shared that, <laughs> and and it was cool. And so I think, I, again, I feel so fortunate because I had this introduction to to gay people that was positive, and yes. you know, and it it it, it when I was it's working, sad that all these kids in Florida yes, will not have that's it. You know, will be shielded or um, made to feel um, bad. Yeah, you know. It really, it's about just, who they are. Yeah, your I first mean, introduction, whether it's you are gay or, or you know somebody who's gay, um, it, it's a big deal. It lasts with you forever. And it's just what's happening now. And it's not just, I mean, it's like, God, we've got this. Then we've got like the mm. bounties on the heads of people seeking an abortion in Texas. Um, I, I can't, I, listen, I can't even, I can't even talk about, I mean, you know, I've been an activist my entire life and, uh, yes, somebody posted yesterday, oh, we have to go back to Jane, the Jane, and I just said, I'm going to cry. Yeah. You know, I can't, I really, I just go backwards like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I, and, and not only that, I just, I, you know, taking somebody's rights, mm-hmm. I just, you know, to their human, what they can and cannot do with their own bodies. It's yeah. just, I can't get there. I can't, I don't even talk about it. It's, you know, I can't, I'm not, I for you, obviously <laughs> much worse, but, um, you know, no, I know. I mean, I'm one of the things that I'm curious about though, um, as we wind down, uh, do you think that the, the way that the GOB is behaving right now with their crazy, like banning books, burning books, you know, all these bounties and you're not allowed to talk about the reality of racism, CRT mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Do you think that that's going to come back and bite them in the ass? Or do you think there are enough people in this country that that could be a winning argument for the midterms? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, but I do think at the end of the day, um, that some of the outrageous behavior mm-hmm. is to really not be in their favor. I mean, Rick Scott's 11-point ban where we're going to build a wall and put Trump's name on it, Mm -hmm. we're going to just have no more... Listen, I'm not every... My my commitment and the thing that I say to everyone is find one person that hasn't been voting 
and take them there. One yeah, person. Right. If, if each of us could find mm-hmm. one, we all have a friend. I'm right. not saying convert somebody that, that is you, you can't convert, right. Right? right? Unless you can. If you can, then that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, we try. Um, but I think that for me, all I tell every single Republican I know is, well, it's a good thing you don't need Medicare and Social Security because you're losing it. Yeah. And they go, well, that will never happen. I said, oh, really? Go read Rick Scott's plan. He put it in writing, mm-hmm. and McConnell couldn't wait to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are a lot of really um, uh, missteps. Yeah. I, well, some of the missteps are really just the quiet parts out loud, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. I do think a lot of that together, if we get it together and we can message properly, uh, that it will bite them in the ass at the end of the day. I'm really hoping. <laughs> Please. Well, fighting in the ass today. I don't know what's going on with me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think with the Ukraine invasion, or mm-hmm. I should say, I should call it Putin's invasion of Ukraine. I should say yes, that. Yes, that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, we kind of all were so focused on that. And mm-hmm. prior to that, for at least for me, it was obviously 1-6, and then it was midterms. And right. so now everybody's attention is kind of on Ukraine. And so it's it doesn't mean that we're not thinking about the midterms, but it's just something that it's like, oh, my God, you know, this everything we're is not, at stake. To us, the midterms are 10 years away. That's how, yeah. that's how Democrats are thinking about exactly. it. It's not. It's right around the corner, and there's lots of people saying 242 days, 200 days. Right? I mean, counting down those days. Yeah. Um, but as we all know, anything could happen three yeah. or four weeks before – I mean, you know, Comey walks out, right. swap, swap, boom, 10 points, mm-hmm. right? So um, I really do think that um, we have to get our acts together with respect to messaging because most Democrats have been depressed for five years. It's yes. thing after thing. Is Garland doing his job? Is this one this? And why is Trump walking around? And, you know, I mean, I think the most disappointed everybody's been is that Trump's plane actually got rescued. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, oh, we were so close. Um, a terrible thing to say, but I know, you know, I know. Um, but everyone was thinking it. <laughs> well, you know, there's, you know, we need. I think we just we're everyone's at a place where justice is um, past due. Right. That's how people think. Yes. And we're used to also uh, all the leaks. Mm-hmm. Every five seconds, mm-hmm. we knew everything. And now we have an administration that's not leaking. And mm-hmm. now we're mad and we're kicking and screaming and um, uh, because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, um, that was Allison Gill from Mueller. She wrote, she said, and I wish I could remember. Oh, who, she's so great. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she's awesome. She tweeted and i can't remember who it was but back when maybe it was manafort i don't know but she said Mm -hmm. you know i predicted easily oh she did right yes she did but she said but nobody was able to predict this this guy from the proud boys right truly whatever his name was that came out in his underwear right and so she said that thread too she's fantastic yeah Mm -hmm. she really is and so it's like that's such a great point but your point I think was I'm sorry because I really stepped on you there. That's and I okay. apologize. But I think your point really was that what she was saying was because there are no leaks. Nobody saw that. Right. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so it's like I, I I know I mean Michael J Stern today 
his article came out. I think it was in USA Today. I'm not sure. But either way, he was on my show, and he is a formal, former federal prosecutor, and he had a real strong opinion about Garland, but he didn't want to say it on my show because he's like, it, look, the, I got to wait for my order to come out before I can <laughs> blab what I've <laughs> talked about. So it came out today, and the whole gist of it is that he doesn't think Merrick Garland has, has indicted Trump because there, there's a very good possibility that there would be MAGAs in the jury poll and that they would not be able to get a conviction and, and what that would look like. You know, that whole process of putting a former president under indictment and on trial and then only to get off, it would be so negative and bad for our country. And that's, that's what he thinks. That's his theory. Right. Well, I, I think it is a prevailing hypothesis that they're not going to try anything they can't win. Yes. There's a very big divide between people who say, I don't care, but I don't care, you know, put them on the stand, do what you got to do for better or worse. And there's other people that say, no, you know, I, you know, I, I put out a tweet that said, you know, if, if, if he didn't get convicted on anything and a Rico put him away, would that yeah. be okay? And it was very split. A lot yeah. of people know he should right. be convicted on every single thing. Yeah. And then there were other people that said, I don't care if it's for littering, if they put him away. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm with the littering thing. Just fucking get him yeah. out. I don't know that he's ever going to go to jail or anything like that. I don't know if he'll ever face any kind of indictments or whatever. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. today Garland specifically said there was, I think he told NPR that mm -hmm. they just start at the bottom and they just work the way all the way up. That's what yes. they do with the mafia. And I don't yeah. know what they're going to do with Trump, but we live in a we live in a country, we live in a time and and uh, like everything it's like bringing a former president under indictment that's such a fucking big deal and yes. it's never been done before. So th we're all walking a very fine line and it's very true that a huge part of the population is brainwashed and could be for Trump and if they're sitting mm -hmm. and it doesn't you know so I think somebody posted an article try, trying to prove it wrong I think it was in the Manafort trial there was a MAGA juror and I guess she mm -hmm. voted to convict him so it's like yeah of course there could be a MAGA juror that would say yeah I get it I see it now and mm -hmm. here's the right verdict but then you're going to have other people who are just so deep into it that they'll never see it so and that's There's what we're dealing with Listen, there's a lot of people that say the worst possible thing would be to put him on the stand and convict him and then let him, he'll get off. And he'll mm -hmm. say, see, mm -hmm. I didn't do anything wrong. That would be horrible. It would be horrible. That would be horrible. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like we're in, a, we're in a really bad place. And unfortunately, you know, the, the way that it's all been set up and, and Russia's been attacking us with disinformation on our social media for so many years and there's just a divide. So there's no easy answer. Everybody, no. you know, we're all used to law and order. We're all used to nice, tidy, you know, in an hour, everything's cleaned up and everything's answered. We're not going to get that with this. I don't know what we're going to get, but we're not going to get that clean and tidy indictment. We're not. <laughs> so no. Or conviction. No, I don't I think say. so. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I do, I, I do think that um, there will be some justice, but mm -hmm. I just don't know what that looks like. Because if you look at the sheer number of cases mm -hmm. out there, yeah. um, statistically, something's got to hit. Something, right? exactly. Yeah. Something's going to hit. So we don't know if it's going to be small or big or if it's going to be Garland or if it's going to be Letitia James. But mm -hmm. something, I think, will um, – something will hit. Yeah, and I think, the, I think the other part of this is there is a collective um, – I don't know what the word is like, you know, there's a feeling, a collective feeling from all yes. of us. And I think eventually as, as, as 
Republicans continue to be crazy, and I, I'm agree with you on that half and half thing. With like, is there crazy that's going to hurt them? Um, I think it will hurt them for so many of these people who are like either just like sane Republicans or sane independent voters who just go, oh my god, I just can't take this anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I think that their behavior is going to negatively affect them. But I mean, it's I don't know enough to know that that means we're going to win. I just, yes, I, think, I agree. I think. I mean, pu- it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a hard fight. Yes, battle. It's going to be know? hard, and there's going to you know there everybody's going to challenge if Democrats win, and it's mm-hmm. it's just going to be ugly. But I hope we can pull it together. I really do. You know, I'll tell you before I go. I have, and I've talked about this too. But my friend is a psychic, and I don't do psychic readings with her or anything like that. But I ask her about politics, and mm-hmm. she was right about Trump in 2016. She was right about Biden, and so she insists that Democrats are going to win in November. I'll so take it. I hope that that's how that's where I am. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll just well, I'll go I'll with that. I'll say one thing. I really do believe <laughs> that Democrats are more impassioned. Yes, I and do I too. even think, and I agree with you that independents are looking at Lauren Boebert and these kind of mm-hmm. people and say, "Oh, she's going to make a decision for you. Mm-hmm. What are you out of your mind?" Yeah, you know. Um, and they, and while they may or may not uh, like some of the other politics, yeah. I think that the bad is really um, <laughs> not. Uh, you can't look the other way. No, not with Marjorie Three Toes and her. Oh, it's like... <laughs> Three Toes. Let's not go there. We didn't even have time to talk about the whole Alvin Bragg thing, but that'll be for another. That'll be for the next time. And and exactly. just FYI, people, um, if you're still listening to this show, and I hope you are, um, both of us, uh, Jay and I, are both totally interested in, you know, like deliberate manifestation and all that stuff. I talk about that on my patrons only show. So one day Jay's going to come and we're going to talk about all that good stuff and we're really going to dive in. And I cannot wait for that because it's just like my passion right now. It's just so exciting and I love it. But it was really cool talking to you and I knew this was going to be a good idea because now I'm in a much better mood than I was before we started talking. (laughs) So I, and it's good to just kind of take a break and chat and kind of go, you know, jump from topic to topic. It Um, is. And it's funny because in a way it was like, you know, I mean, obviously this is a podcast and we know that people are going to be listening, but it's also just an opportunity for you and me to get to know each other. That's what it just feels like, you know, (laughs) it's like a fun phone call and and everyone gets to listen in. (laughs) And I loved it. And I loved it. And I really appreciate you having me. Um, I really do. Well, that's, well, it was really fun. So before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I have the same handle uh, on, well, let's just say jaded. You said today you were jaded. Yes. <laughs> jaded creative. Jaded creative. I jaded love that. Jaded creative on Twitter. <laughs> and all my links are all there. Very cool. And I have put your um all that information and your website on the patreon link but if you're if you, everybody's listening on like apple or whatever you can either go visit him on twitter to get all that information or visit my patreon page and then of course i'm author kimberly l-e-y my books are on amazon jay it was awesome talking to you you too all you right. too have an awesome day you too and you take care take care Bye-bye.